Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Drew Brees comes back. Oh, no. oh like now? Oh, all right. No intro music, no nothing. Just throw me into the fire here. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com on the contrary show. I'm Dave Lochran. 
Uh, along with me for the ride, week 15, it's Alex Baker, number one ranked DFS player in the world. Find the man on Twitter at AwesomeODFS. What's going on, brother? Not much, man. I thought I had this slate all figured out, but with my uh, Leonard Fournette move with Ronald Jones out. But uh, as you guys informed me just uh, before the show, apparently that's not a lock. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting some sleepers because I don't see anyone that uh, that's that easy to pick out. And with us for the second time this season, Ian Harditz, uh, the man's good at Twitter. I got to give it to you, Ian. You're solid at Twitter. You can catch all of his work at Pro Football Focus. Hit him up at iHarditz at uh, Twitter. And, of course, check out the uh, PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And, of course, he's a host at Sirius XM Fantasy as well. I did notice, though, last time we had you on, it was in your Twitter bio that Duke Johnson is a three-down back. That has since been replaced <laughs> with president of the Corderell Patterson fan club. So which is it? Have we abandoned the Duke Johnson's a three down back take and moved on to bigger, better ventures? So I've actually always been president of the Cordero Patterson fan club. Unfortunately, I have pulled back on the Duke Johnson love. I even had free Auden Tate in there for a little bit. Right now, I'm just going with the nice quote. Great day to be great. Got to keep the vibes uh, in a positive sense. We're in the fantasy uh, season-long playoffs, obviously, last few regular season weeks. But great to be back, guys. And, yeah, I appreciate the uh, shout-out to Twitter. When you spend as much time on that thing as I do, I would hope I'd be at least okay. Well, we're glad to have all of you guys with us as well. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. And if you like what we do here, maybe we helped you along the way, win some money. You enjoy the content seven days a week. Whenever you're looking for daily fantasy sports content, you can find it here. Well, subscribe to the channel. Head us, head, help us get to 50,000 subscribers. It's not going to happen by the end of the year. I tried for that push. We failed, but we'll get there sooner than later. So, hey. If you like what we're doing, if you want to help support us during the holiday season, but also help yourself and know when all of our shows go live, show up more in the browse, the recommended feeds. Well, all you got to do is subscribe and hit that thumbs up. It's time to get it started. Alex, I'll kick it off with you. Um, Something I've talked about a lot this week, but I haven't been able to talk about this with you or, of course, Ian, is what we've seen at the top of some tournaments over the past three or four weeks. And in a week like this, where you have a number of teams that have very concentrated offenses, how do you approach the stacking of the wide receiver and running back of the same team without the quarterback? Because last week, the Millie Maker winner had a double Q uh, running back wide receiver stack on the same lineup with neither of the quarterbacks, Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, no quarterback. Last week, I think the winner of the slant or two weeks ago had uh, Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen, maybe three weeks, but you get the point. Is this something you're willing to look at more uh, than you would have in the past, given the success we've seen with offenses that are really concentrated on just two or three players? Yeah, I think that's an interesting observation that we've been seeing running backs and wide receivers been being going off uh, in the same week for the same team and maybe not needing the quarterback. The last two weeks, you've really needed the value quarterback, so – that's one possibility for how that could happen is just not having enough salary cap to fit everyone. But uh, I don't, I, I think the reason why you stack the quarterback is because like they get production at the same time as the receivers. When they get those touchdowns, you're getting double, double dipping. You don't get that with running back wide receiver, unless you get some sort of like fluky, like uh, running back pass or something like that. I mean, that's hard to, hard to predict. So I think uh, it's not something I'm going to avoid, but it's not something I'm going to force in. Yeah, Ian, what about you? We've seen teams, not all of them, not not even most of them, but there's a handful of teams 
like te- uh, Tennessee, like the, the Minnesota Vikings, that really focus their offense on a lot of players. So oftentimes you'll see Dalvin Cook with a monster game. They go run heavy, but then all of the limited pass catching where it goes to one player, or and, and, and it, both of them go off while the quarterback is just okay. Uh, have you noticed this as well over the past month or so? Yeah, absolutely. And to Alex's point, I think it, they, it definitely is a, a viable term of strategy. We've seen the success it's had, you know, in recent weeks. But that doesn't mean we need to necessarily get away from the bread and butter of our normal stacks as well. Why not both in the same lineup? You know, it's possible. And I think we do see some of these, you know, offenses where we can definitely take advantage of it, especially in week 15. I mean, looking at, you know, the 49ers, we know that run game is set up incredibly against the Cowboys. And also the whole passing game is going through Brandon Ayuk. None of us want to roster Nick Mullins, but that doesn't mean we can't go, still go the well with his weapons in a good matchup like that when we got a good coordinator such as Kyle Shanahan also looking you know at Cam Akers and one of Robert Woods Cooper Cup you know maybe we got to take a little bit of a chance on one of the wide receivers but no I certainly think it's a viable strategy and it's definitely a good way to you know just get exposure to some of these better matchups even when we don't have an elite QB in that game. Tyler Zand is filling in for Jordan Klein producing today's show let me tell you Alex we got this new software going the camera quality the, the picture quality looks so much better than it has in the past I'm feeling this man. Yeah, this is awesome. Although I feel like I haven't invested enough into skincare. So uh, I was hoping maybe we'd have it a little bit grainy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to actually have to start shaving. But uh, <laughs> sticking with you for a minute here, Ian, we talk a little strategy. We kick the show off with strategy every week. We want to give you guys, you know, it's called on the contrary for a reason, not the same cookie cutter takes that you hear throughout the week. Even on some of our shows, we keep it more basic. But this one's different. We want to give you some potentially contrarian takes, a different way to approach this slate. This week, um, the top five projected owned players in our awesomeo.com projections are all running backs. And then the wide receiver, first wide receiver getting the most ownership will be DeAndre Hopkins. But we don't have any of them projecting for more than 15% as it stands right now. We're still about a little less than 24 hours from kickoff, uh, or sorry, 48 hours from kickoff. Is, is this a slate where you're less worried about trying to get way different uh, at wide receiver and at stacks, or are you going to apply the same approach that you have all season to this one? No, I think we can feel really good, particularly about the dart throws out the wide receiver position. I'm just not really having to worry about getting off of some of these more chalky guys. Because to your point, yeah, it does seem like everyone's going to be on the running back position between the three rookie RBs, Alvin Kamara, Henry Cook, and then not even having Devontae Adams at the top to, you know, kind of steal a lot of that wide receiver ownership. I mean, you look at the top six guys, and I know we'll talk about Michael Thomas and uh, stuff later, but there's just one upside wide receiver one after another. So with one not really standing out above the rest, you know, hey, it's tough to feel, you know, that much better about Tyreek versus, you know, DeAndre Hopkins or A.J. Brown. Like, any of these guys could go off. And because of that, you know, I think they're definitely more viable than we would see in past weeks where, you know, we're almost pivoting off a guy just because of the ownership. We don't have that conundrum. And then you look at the reality, like, Travis Kelsey leads the NFL in receiving yards right now. Like, not at tight ends, just the entire NFL. He's at 8,000. Like, that's reasonable if you just treat him as a wide receiver. And then, you know, I don't know, run it back with Mark Andrews or Irv Smith. We can even get crazy with uh, two tight end stacks, potentially, just with the reality of how good Kelsey is and how much of a difference maker he is at that position so yeah I think it's great this week and looking at you know some of the cheaper guys you know because we need value Alex said that at the beginning of the show you know that's why he is for now on the on on the uh, Leonard Fournette side of things but you look at under 4k you know with Hollywood Brown maybe out maybe we can talk ourselves in Devin DuVernay uh the Chicago wide receivers Tony Miller uh, Darnell Mooney Michael Gallup maybe Len Bowden if Jacecki and these guys are out like I just think I feel a lot better about taking some of the cheaper options that we're going to need to use because you know obviously 
course, you want to get up to Mahomes and company, but there's not much value at running back. There might be some wide receiver. Yeah, I mentioned earlier in the week, too, Travis Kelsey is just a wide receiver that you can play at tight end. <laughs> exactly. That's where he's been this year. Uh, Alex, but same thing. When you look, you have tri- uh, you have Tyreek Hill. You have uh, Calvin Ridley with no Julio Jones. You have DeAndre Hopkins. You have Allen Robinson, who's been on a tear, coming off his second best game of the season. Jefferson, I don't know if Michael Thomas is going to play, but as Ian pointed out, the list just goes on and on and on. You can continue scrolling, and you're still going to come across a a ton of examples of top wide receivers on their respective teams. Uh, And I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing such low or or such spread out ownership at the position this week, even though it's an 11 and not a 13 game slate. Yeah, I think uh, this week's really tough because you got a lot of great spend up options that we can feel really confident in, but you can't put them all in the same lineup. So they're all like a little bit lower owned than they would be otherwise. But then when you go down the list, like, man, the cheap options are really tough to feel confident in. I mentioned Fournette. Uh, with Ronald Jones out, there's some reports he'll get the start, even though he's inactive last week. And I'm just hoping that was more of an anomaly than anything that he was inactive, but definitely something to keep an eye on. But if you scroll down, like, wide receiver, I was trying to come up with good value picks. And, I mean, I came up with, like, Russell Gage with Julio. He's, like, 4,800. Not bad. Not anything I'm excited about. And then I was like, Denzel Mims at 3,300. You can see I'm grasping here. I'm grasping for anything. So I, I need some help. I need some help finding these guys so we can get the good plays in our lineup too. All right. Well, that's a perfect segue. Let's dive straight into it. Um, so, by the way, all of these shows, anything that has a shelf life, so if it's not a live before live, check all of them out in podcast form, uh, whether it's Apple, iPods, whether it's Spotify. I don't know all of them, but if you know of one and you want to check it out, it's probably there. So, A-W-E-S-E-M-O in podcast form. Maybe you don't have YouTube Premium. You want to be able to close your phone, put it in your pocket, do some work. Well, we got you covered one way or another. All right, Ian. Uh, let's start it off with, with the elephant in the room, figuratively and, and metaphorically, really, or and literally, uh, with Derrick Henry. He's getting the highest ownership right now. It's nothing egregious, but it, he is coming in around 22 23% on DraftKings. He's $9,500, though, which is absurd. And the guy's closing in on 2,000 yards. Uh, he's got an elite matchup against the Lions. He needs to average 156 yards per game. You know, I tweeted that the other day, and everyone that responded was like, oh, he might hit 3,000. He might." People are pretty <laughs> confident in his ability to do this, Ian. And I'm telling you, it was like overconfidence to the extreme. $9,500 is a lot, even for Henry, though. Particularly once now we get this Drew Brees being back news, man. I mean, when I came on the show earlier this year, you know, week five or something like that, I mean, we were talking about Alvin Kamara at 8,000, still being potentially like 2K underpriced there just because of how much of a fantasy football cheat code his receiving ability is. So, look, man, if you want to try to, you know, spend down a wide receiver and put lineups with Henry and Kamara and stuff in it, I get it. But just in terms of, you know, which high-priced running back do we want the most exposure to this week, I don't know how we can kind of just warrant putting an extra 2,100 from Kamara to Henry, particularly if the ownership uh, difference isn't going to be, you know, anything astronomical. So we'll, we'll see we'll see how that shakes out. But looking at this matchup, I mean, the Lions probably aren't going to be able to stop Derrick County, but they're also probably not going to be able to stop Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Corey Davis. So, man, if you're going to fade Henry, I think it's a great opportunity to go the well with this passing game. We're seeing Titans implied for over 30 points. I mean, one of the, one of the articles I do every week, my mismatch uh, manifesto, I just look for the best overall mismatches in terms of EPA per play on offense versus defense and single biggest mismatch 
matchup the entire week between offense and defense is this Titans uh, unit versus the Lions. So they're going to put up points, but hey, it could go through the passing game. I understand Henry's probably going to be the feature one. They usually want to lean on him, but still good guys in this passing game. And again, with Kamara, with Akers, Dobbins, Drake, David Johnson, like there are a lot of options for guys who are going to have similar usage as Derrick Henry. I'm probably not going to be paying up for him as scary as that is. Yeah, Alex, Derrick Henry, you mentioned right before we went live that I think both of you guys did, as a matter of fact, that you know the Derrick Henry fade is, is a terrifying thing. Uh, and I guess when we're referring to a fade, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to come in with nothing. But um, just to follow up where Ian's at on Derrick Henry, I'm sure people would like to hear where you are too because this is going to be a big piece of the puzzle, whether you get it right or you get it wrong. Derrick Henry has an amazing matchup versus the Lions. I mean, they're such big favorites this week. It's almost exactly the same setup as last week versus Jacksonville where we went out and got like 40 points. Probably would have gotten more if the game wasn't already in pocket at the end of the fourth quarter. And, I mean, he's a really interesting guy because when you look at the ownership, like he was the highest-owned player last week. And then, like, the pros had very little Derrick Henry, like pretty much across the board. Um because, like, from a projection standpoint, he just isn't quite as good as guys that can catch passes like Dalvin Cook or Kamara now that Drew Brees is back. So I expect the same trend this week where recreational players are very high on Derrick Henry and uh, pros are very low. But I, I see opportunity in that as well because pros are going to be so often. If you build a really sharp lineup with Derrick Henry, maybe like fewer people are on that because they're just looking at his ownership in a vacuum and not really understanding how that correlates to all the other players in your lineup. The thing, though, Alex, is it's been that way all season long. It's not even just because he's 9,500. I remember back in week six against Houston in that overtime victory where we saw 78 total points uh, where Derrick Henry busted off that 94-yard touchdown run and you go on Twitter, everyone was heated. You talk about the pros being, you know, like, oh, it's a bad play. But the big difference here, you know, he was $7,300 and still nobody was playing him. Like, no one, not nobody, but you talk about the pros. They weren't playing him at $7,300. So I, I find it to be a stretch that they would play him at $9,500. I will say this much, though. You look back and you say, wow, we weren't willing to play Derrick Henry at $7,300. Uh, that's pretty wild. It's not even this year only, too, because if you go back to the playoffs last year, I mean, Derrick Henry completely like dominated the New England Patriots, if I recall correctly. And like, Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He had like 70% of the team's yards in that game against Baltimore <laughs> and then against the Patriots, yeah. 
Yeah, and like even then, all the pros like faded him. So this has been like a constant trend over the past year, like where like man, the pros are just losing so much money on Derrick Henry. At some point, like uh, if you see yourself as a sharp person, you gotta like accept the feed and be like, maybe I'll take a little bit of Henry this week. I do feel so, like one difference, real quick. I feel like one difference is usually Henry has by far it's him and Dalvin Cook with the biggest touch projections. I mean, look, Sean McVay used to give us the third running back in that equation, Todd Gurley, and he wasn't for the first twelve weeks of this year. Now we have that in Cam Akers, you know, with him actually having that thirty touch ceiling, eighty percent snaps last week, and he's got himself a juicy matchup against the Jets. We'll talk about that game. I think the Rams are going to throw the ball a little bit more than people are giving him credit for. But I mean, you know, you can say the same thing about the Titans a little bit. I just think Akers and other guys so cheap and gives you that touch ceiling. It isn't essential to go and get there. And I, I know what Alex saying. I mean, at some point, is, is it a sharp move? The results are telling you it's not. But I do think, you know, as opposed to some more recent weeks, we actually have cheaper workhorses that have emerged, some of these rookie backs, versus, you know, what it was like, like even a month ago. Yeah, for sure. At steeper discounts. Uh, Ian, are, are you willing to take a look at any of the pass catching options for the Tennessee Titans? Because, again, they are in a spot where against Detroit, they're tied right now, nine and four in the division, tied with the Colts. This is a, a must win game. There's no reason they shouldn't win it. And we've seen Tannehill surprise us in, in previous games where we expect it to be all Derrick Henry, and then Tannehill rips off 300 yards and four touchdowns. So while it's the unlikely result, uh, is there anything here that, that you're willing to consider for Tennessee uh, passing game? I think it's just a great kind of stat to potentially build around tournaments in general. Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Corey Davis. I mean, with Adam Humphrey's sideline, we've seen the majority of this passing game focus on these guys. Now, some random tight end or maybe even two will be catching these touchdowns that are going to be tilting us come Sunday. But again, 30-point implied total, and we've seen really throughout the year A.J. Brown and Corey Davis be almost neck and neck in terms of usage. Now, no debate who's better. A.J. Brown finds the end zone freaking three times as often. But Corey Davis, I mean, he had that dud last week, and he had one against the Bears. Other than that, He's been one of the more consistent receivers in the league all season. I mean, he's a top five guy in PFF grade, yards per out run, all those advanced metrics. So, I mean, it's one of these situations. I think I feel like anytime a team has two really good wide receivers, we just need to like talk one up and talk one down. But teams can have two really good ones: Woods, Cup, Davis. Uh, you know, AJB. Don't be afraid to go to the well with both these guys. Yeah, I think if you are fading Derrick Henry, take a long look at this passing game because you know you're screwed if Henry goes off either way and you're like fading him. But if he's not going to go off, the Titans' offense is still putting up points. They'll be doing it through the pass catchers. Ian, let me stick with you here one more for a second. Uh, talking, moving, the, or turning the page to the New Orleans Saints, Kansas City Chiefs game. Just from an overall viewing perspective, this is going to be the, the most popular, most exciting game of the week. I can't imagine otherwise. But the, the big thing here is that Alvin Kamara is priced for Taysom Hill being a quarterback. At least that's the way it seems. Michael Thomas was not at practice, but he's $7,200. Remember last year he would have been, what, $95,000, $10,000 around this time. And then Drew Brees expected the return being activated from the IR after breaking what seemed like every rib in his body and then some more is $5,900. I know Kansas City's defense, particularly their secondary, has been pretty stout this season. But at this price point for these New Orleans Saints, what are we doing with them? 
Kamara is someone I think we can be willing to almost lock button because, hey, he is going to yeah. be getting these targets now that we saw before. And But the question is, like, how confident can we be in, you know, Breeze, who's, what, 40, 41 at this point? Like, he's just going to come back with this ribbon injury, no problem, no questions asked. The guy's not exactly, you know, the most mobile version of himself that we've ever seen. So it's not that big of a matchup to fear. But in terms of trying to keep up with Patrick Mahomes and company, you know, that's a little bit larger proposition. So, you know, I still love Chiefs uh, minus three, even with the uh, quarterback change going on. But, you know, I think Kamara – and really any dual threat running back, like it's just so unfair and fancy what having that pass down floor comes to. I mean, over the past uh, two seasons, we have Kamara and Austin Eckler over 300 PPR points purely from receiving production. McCaffrey, James White, they're over 200. That's it at the running back position. So truly, like it's almost whatever they get in rush attempts is just icing on the cake. So Kamara, I think, you know, with Breeze back, that's a huge extra addition to his role. Michael Thomas has already been putting up still – solid enough numbers with Taysom Hill. Okay, his ceiling's higher with Drew Brees, and he's not going to fail to find the end zone forever, and Brees should be able to bring them down the field more often. Three of the Saints' four lowest-scoring games this year have come with Taysom Hill under center. But to me, like Kamara gets elevated to – probably the number one running back on the slate in terms of raw projection. Whereas Thomas, like, again, I don't know if I would put him in the top five still, even with Breeze back. So uh, Thomas is, yeah, okay, he's probably a couple hundred under price. But based on what we've seen from him this year, playing banged up, I don't think it's close between him and Kamara. Alex, every time I look at, you know, PPR scoring for running backs and I see that Alvin Kamara is at the top of the list, I feel like I've missed part of the season. And and it just it's like a blind spot for me. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I keep thinking, oh, he can't have more than Dalvin Cook. He can't have more than Derrick Henry. But he does, and he leads the entire league in fantasy points, even with Drew Brees being out for, what, a handful of games. 7,400, I think, as Ian put it, is an egregious price tag with Drew Brees back in the mix in a game where they could very well be playing from behind. Man, that's wild. Uh, Alvin Kamara is leading the the league in that uh, the fantasy points. And I know. I think a lot of that, a lot of that was when uh, Michael Thomas was out for the first part of the season. Where man, the the Saints just don't have any like guys that can handle a lot of targets. So Kamara was seeing like thirty percent of uh, targets when he was out running routes, which was an insane number. With Michael Thomas back, I expect that to drop a little bit. I mean, when Drew Brees is in, like, Kamara is going to be much uh, better for sure. And Michael Thomas, I agree with Ian, probably doesn't move the needle a lot. There's going to be more pass attempts, but fewer are going to go to the wide receiver position. So the overall pretty neutral for Thomas. So he's a good play. Kamara, on the other hand, is a great one. On the other side of this game, Alex, one of the biggest questions is, not would you like to stack the Kansas City Chiefs because I think the answer would be, you know, you get a unanimous yes across the DFS industry. But more than anything, is it or how can you stack the Kansas City Chiefs? In our top stack tool right now, you have the Kansas City Chiefs with a considerably higher top stack probability than any other team. It's not even close, right? And ownership is in the top three, values all the way up there. Uh, first of all, how does the value work on something like this? Because a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, they're so expensive. Uh, but compared to fantasy production and all of that stuff, but more than anything, how are we stacking Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill, who are all the highest priced players at their respective positions? Yeah, I mean, going to the Chiefs stack, you're paying top dollar for top plays. And that's going to be tough this week when – that means you got to fill out the rest of your lineup without Derrick Henry and Kamara and and all the good uh, plays at the top end. Uh, so it's 
it's going to be risky where like maybe going to a cheap stack that doesn't have quite as good odds might even be preferable this week just because once you put in Mahomes and, and Hill, for instance, like you spent more than a third of your salary cap on two players that that caps you pretty hard. I think it's a great lineup construction, but it does. Uh, there are probably a lot better options if you're creative this week. Ian, if you round up last week, 20 players, I'm including defenses because I don't feel like sorting them out. 20 players had 25 plus DraftKings points. And I guess the question for you is when you consider that so many big games are happening, sure, you look at this Kansas City team and say they're world beaters, they're unstoppable. But at this price, if Mahomes goes for 25 and Kelsey goes for 22 and Hill goes for 23 or 24 or even 25, that might still not be enough based on what you're forced to do with the rest of the lineup, especially given how many huge, just monster games we're seeing, not just from the best players, but from so many players every given week. It's fair, but I mean, the ceiling on this is unlike anything else. And that's why they're priced sure. so high and they, you know, they have the highest stack uh, projection as you guys are talking about. But I think it is possible to get this in there and run it back with Kamara if we just treat Kelsey as our flex and we actually get a cheap tight end in there, Trey Burton, Cole Komet. And then if you go that route, then, you know, okay, you probably still have to go under two 4K wide receivers. I made a bill with this before the show. Anthony Miller, you know, limboed. And, okay, you're not feeling great about that. But still have enough money to get up to Jeff Wilson, like I mentioned, Kamara. So the key is treating Travis Kelsey as pretty much the wide receiver too or the flex on your roster instead of the tight end and pretty much going to double tight end look. Uh, so does that, you know, give you the upside to win a tournament? That's the question. I do think Trey Bird with Mo Alley-Cox potentially out could be someone that does give us multi-touchdown upside in the game where the Colts should have all time all kinds of success thrown to there. Maybe you can get up to Irv Smith, but, you know, you're going to be going cheap all the way around. It's certainly not something that's going to be in my main stack throughout the week, but I would just say, you know, if you do want to get these guys in there, the key is treating uh, – Kelsey as a wide receiver, not tight end. So you could see yourself having Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey in the same lineup with a Kamara run back. And just just to be clear, because you mentioned the potentially Colcomet or Burton, I like that. Uh, even if you throw a cheap defense in there, because who cares what defenses there are? Uh, yeah, if you do that, you're looking at it's going to be tough to round it out, but it's not impossible. Yeah, exactly. And again, you're going to need another couple under 4K wide receivers, and you're not going to be able to, you know, price splurge too much on other people. But Jeff Wilson, I think, is one of the more underrated values of this slate, with or without Mostert, because we've seen them pretty much splitting reps. And now with Mostert clearly working out less than 100%, I mean, it's not out of the question for Mostert to just be active, but Wilson to be the lead back. Cowboys have just been, you know, play all the running backs against them all season long. So I think, uh, you know, honestly, I almost hope Mostert is active at this point, because then Wilson will be that much better of a tournament option. Alex, when you start looking at maybe some auxiliary options for Kansas City, that's when it gets ugly because the target share with with Travis Kelsey and and, and Tyree Kill, like what is it? I think Kelsey's at twenty four point three percent, Hill's right around twenty three, and then it falls off a cliff to to Watkins and and McCall Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. If you're rostering those guys, it's because you're cheap and you're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle because their quarterback is so good, but not because you expect them to get considerable volume on any 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 Sunday in any matchup. <laughs> yeah, there's always one week where Demarcus Robinson wins people money, but uh, they're few and far between. What I'm seeing is uh, Kansas City last week ran Watkins out 80% uh, 
or higher than 80% of the time on dropbacks while uh, Robinson and Hardman were at 50 to 40%. To me, that's not enough playing time to really justify rostering in DFS. So at the lower option, instead of stacking up those guys from the homes, I'd probably pivot to a different team and go with a guy like uh, Anthony Miller, like Ian was saying. Or there's some other guys that are pretty cheap, uh, Cam Sims, uh, you got Denzel Mims. Maybe go with the rhyme stack there. <laughs> Ian, uh, the Colts are laying seven and a half points. They have a 29.3 implied total. It's one of the higher marks on this slate against the Texans team that just got smoked last week. As a matter of fact, it, it appeared that they weren't even interested uh, in playing football. But maybe things change this week. The tough part with Indy, though, which is uh, what you're here for and what Alex is here for, Jonathan Taylor coming off a great game. Uh, are we are we willing to assume that he is the lead back going forward? That Frank Wright has designated him the guy and not and isn't going to say, okay, you know, Naeem Hines got off to a good start. Let's throw him in there. And T.Y. Hilton finally coming to life late in the season has three straight solid games, but only a 22% target share over that span. And this is obviously a game that could go in the direction of run-heavy approach where there isn't a lot of pass volume. So while they're in a fantastic spot with a high total against a really bad defense – how do you approach this offense from Taylor to the backfield in general to T.Y. Hilton in the passing game? I really don't know that this offense has changed since week two and like Marlon Mack was out of the picture, honestly. Taylor has always pretty much been their starter when he had, you know, the COVID stuff. Naeem Hines got in there for a game or two, but Taylor's always had that, you know, 15, 20 plus carry potential. But if you literally go like weeks two through 10 or 11, almost every single game the Colts were in, they either fell behind multiple scores in the first half, which became a Naeem Hines game, or they would get up by a bunch because they're a very good team. And then when they're late in the fourth quarter, like they don't give Jonathan Taylor, you know, 35 carries. They'll let Jordan Wilkins kind of take the garbage time work so we've just finally seen some good matchups where taylor's been able to make the most out of his 15 and 20 carries and yeah in his you know breakout game last week you know 20 carries two targets 54 percent snaps that's not fantastic and hey in this matchup it's good enough to make do but to your point this passing game it's been another roller coaster throughout the year i mean it was three weeks ago when everyone was anointing michael Pittman as the alpha of the yeah. unit that's really you know separated himself if you just look at their you know target since week since their week seven bye it's Pittman number one it's nine Hines number two T.Y. Hilton three, Zach Pascal four, but they're all within like five or six of each other. This is the matchup to take a shot on it. But out of these guys, you know, Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, I think Taylor carries the most risk just because there is a scenario with game script where he just isn't going to be used that much. We've seen it again and again this year because Naeem Hines is still their pass down back. I do buy the narrative that Taylor has overtaken Jordan Wilkins as the clear lead early down back. And that's great. I mean, they're facing the Texans. Uh, to your point, they ran, you know, they got themselves all run over last week. I think Taylor's certainly capable of doing that but there's certainly a scenario where Taylor just ends up not even playing half the offensive snaps with Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins I don't think that'll be the case even if the Jaguars or the freaking Jets inexplicably get up on these teams I still think Akers and Dobbins are going to be their offensive lead backs can't say the same for Jonathan Taylor sure and the price points are considerably different there down to Akers and then down to Dobbins Uh, I want to get into that in a moment uh, Alex and Dobbins is certainly one of the the players we're going to discuss at length but before we do that, where do you come in on someone like Jonathan Taylor? And where do you come in on, on the Colts offense? You know, it's, it's just too good of a matchup for us to not talk about it. But in that same breath, it's been a team that, you know, as Ian laid out and we talked about all season long, 
whether it's Pittman, whether it's Tyree Kill, whether it's Jonathan Taylor, it, it's been a tougher team to gauge despite their ability to put points on the board. I agree with what Ian was saying. I just feel like the Colts are going to be inconsistent because they spread around the, the ball to too many different guys. And that's not bad if they're going to be low-owned, but Jonathan Taylor is coming off a game where he got 33 fantasy points. T.Y. Hilton has come back from the dead to, to put up winning scores the past couple of weeks. So these guys aren't going to be like sneaky at all. They're going to be popular. And uh, they're my favorite players on the team to target, but I just feel like the way that Rivers distributes the ball, it goes pretty evenly to running back, uh, wide receiver, and tight end compared to other teams. And that makes it hard to single out any one player that really uh, is a great target. But I do like um, if Mo, uh, Mo Ali Cox is out, uh, like Ian was saying, then go to one of the tight ends, uh, Trey Burden. I think that would uh, that'd be a great value play. They might even have another rushing touchdown. Um, Alex, to stick with you, we'll, we'll segue. What's that? I, I said Frank Wright loves you? that guy. Always. Frank Wright loves <laughs> Trey Burden. It's absurd. Continue, sorry. <laughs> he sure does. Yeah, I mean, he had him throw. He had him throwing touchdowns in the Super Bowl, right? So, yeah. Uh, he look Trey Burton. He's he's not a bad player. I mean, he he's got he's got some ability to put up a decent game. We don't need anything crazy from him either. At that price, what's he twenty nine hundred? You know, he, he's done it before. So I, I think that's a good call on both of your parts, uh, Alex. The the Baltimore Ravens, I think, are in a really unique spot. Not unique that it's never happened before, but unique to this season because they just haven't played as well lately. And they've had a stretch of, you know, difficult enough matchups, at least on the Sunday slates, maybe not as much primetime. But, um, you know, this feels to me, feel free to disagree, like a game where Lamar Jackson and Dobbins and Gus Edwards could run for a combined. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In like 50 times. And if that ends up being the case, and maybe maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but run a lot, uh, assuming they get up early. Lamar's already not throwing the football often. I think he has 17 pass attempts in back-to-back games. Sure, he had to take a shit last week, and that may have curtailed <laughs> his numbers a little bit, but still finished with only 17. Anyway, Dobbins has played – a lot more lately, 62% of snaps last week. He has 11-plus carries in five of his last six games. Mark Ingram is essentially phased out of this offense in the last year of his contract. Can we look at Lamar and Dobbins in the same lineup as 13-point favorites? And if the answer is no, do you like either of them individually? So I think uh, Baltimore is definitely an interesting team because of the matchup versus Jacksonville being really favorable. 
They're especially weak versus the pass. Now, it's not clear exactly who's going to be playing for Baltimore because uh, Marquise Brown was on the COVID list, but then he was a close contact, so he's not technically out for Sunday's game. So we uh, we got to wait and see on that. But I think Lamar might be a guy that I don't I don't love running quarterback solo, but it kind of makes sense with Lamar because you got to project the Ravens to score some touchdowns and the passing volume. Uh, probably to be pretty low, like you're saying, under 20 attempts in the last couple games. So Omar definitely has a ton of upside in an amazing matchup. But then if he doesn't get it done, I do like Dobbins uh, if he gets in the end zone. Instead of Omar, he saw 50% plus of the rush attempts last week. So he's uh, kind of established himself as the number one guy uh, in his rookie year here. So I think that uh, J.K. Dobbins uh, is a pretty interesting play. Uh, I probably wouldn't want him with Lamar, though. Okay. Ian, you alluded to feeling like Dobbins had probably a pretty comfortable workload in this game. Um, what are your thoughts on him here against the Jags and what feels like a really, really special matchup? Gus Edwards is still involved, but, I mean, he just converted two of his seven carries in the touchdowns on, like, a primetime game. I think that's why people are still not really giving Dobbins his true due. It's now been multiple games in a row that he has been the undisputed lead back. He just, unfortunately, had to yeah. miss that game with COVID in between. Your big, I mean, the biggest point I think you made was that Mark Ingram, he's out of the picture. This is great. It's a two-RB yeah. backfield and a great matchup against a bottom-five defense against the running back position. So it does sound like those receivers are going to be back. I was hoping maybe Duvernay could be a cheap option if all those guys got ruled out. That's sounds like that's out the window but Mark Andrews is you know reasonably priced I feel like for just what he's done against Jacksonville in the past and just his you know general potential for two uh, touchdown upside but you just look at this slate I mean there's four teams I think just jump off as having great matchups the Titans versus the Lions Rams versus the Jets Ravens uh, versus Jaguars and Colts versus the Texans Lamar is the only guy out of that that's giving you any sort of rushing floor and upside and I think we would all agree he should be the highest projected quarterback out of Rivers Tannehill and golf so you know you're looking at just the best overall you know implied offenses this week Lamar Jackson is far and away the best fantasy option from that so I'd be willing to go with Lamar and Dobbins I think I'd probably want to go more Lamar and Mark Andrews but and then also to Alex's points why not just go Lamar when you got that Russian QB certainly uh, wasn't play with Jalen Hurts last week so yeah I'm, I'm all in on Lamar this week let's do it me too I'm all in on on the, the ground game too with Dobbins uh and Lamar not not to say in the same lineup but I'm not opposed to it like if it, usually I, I would not want my running back and my quarterback in the same lineup. I guess what I'm saying is at least in a scenario like this, if I, if, if I crunch lineups and I came up with something like that, uh, I wouldn't be setting rules against it, and I probably wouldn't try to exclude it because I do think there is, there is some possibility that, you know, they score 30 points, they hold the Jaguars to seven, uh, and it's you know, predominantly on the ground. So it'll be fun to see how this game plays out. But I like Lamar. I like Dobbins a lot. Uh, Alex, the Rams are another team. Ian mentioned they're one of the, te- I'd say, what, four teams, like you said, that are in uh, really favorable spots this week. They're 17.5-point favorites, 30.8 implied total. But for anyone that's watched my shows earlier in the week, I'm going to repeat one thing that I repeated and then I'm going to hand, or that I said, and I'm going to hand it over to you. We always get, well, it's the Jets, they're huge dogs, which means the ground game is going to dominate and nothing will happen through the air. Well, Russ Wilson was didn't really play much in the fourth, but he had four touchdowns uh, last week. 
Derek Carr was a, a seven-plus point favorite, 381 yards, tournament winner. Uh, Herbert as a big favorite, 366 passing yards. Patrick Mahomes as an almost 20-point favorite, 446 passing yards. Josh Allen, 300-plus passing yards in both games this season. So all I'm saying here is to assume that it's only going to be you know a, a ground operation and the aerial attack will be non-existent. I get that the, the line says that. I do. And the Jets implied total. But I'm not willing to just ignore it because that's how it should happen. Because with the Jets, that's not how it's happened in a lot of games this season mm-hmm. where they've been big dogs. My rant is over. Your The floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the matchup trumps uh, the game script here because, I mean, the, the Jets have just allowed huge fancy performances, like you're saying. That being said, I mean, I think Cam Akers stands out huge here because, like, uh, for the most part of the season, there's been a committee between him, Henderson, and Brown. Well, last week, Cam Akers saw 29 rushing attempts, while Henderson saw three and Brown saw zero. Usually, like, with these kind of committees, guys cap out around 20. To me, that kind of indicates Cam Akers' upside is, like, insane here. So he's going to be someone that I think is a great play this week. Where Woods and Cup certainly uh, good matchups, good plays, but there's no like um, nothing, not like really like gravitating me to them like there might for Acres. Yeah, I just think the committee approach is over, completely over. Eighty-eight percent of running back carries for Cam, for Cam Akers over the last two games. Ian, what are you doing with the Rams this week, both on the ground and through the air? No, I, I love what you're saying about attacking there. I, I don't think we need to, like, go one or the other, though. I mean, the first segment of this show that we started talking about, running back wide receiver stacks, I think that is perfectly in play yeah. here with Cam Akers. I love Akers. One of Woods or Carr. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, look, anytime you got a running back at that price that can legit get 30 touches, like, he's two, 2K probably underpriced. Like, you need Cam Akers in the majority of your lineups, I would say. But don't underestimate the potential for the Rams to air it out here. I mean, everything you're talking about, the quarterbacks, a uh, cool stat I came across this week from our Roto World's Hayden Winks, the Rams have the second-highest situation-neutral pass rate over the past four weeks. Teams are passing on the Jets in neutral situations at the second-highest rate. So, you know, how long are they going to be in situation-neutral situations? Well, long enough for, you know, these wide receivers to score some points and put up some touchdowns. Three teams this year have just been far and away the best run defenses in terms of yards per carry allowed. Buccaneers, Saints, and Jets. The Saints have been so great because they've done it with more than seven defenders in the box on just like 23% of the snaps. Now, the Buccaneers and Jets, they're much closer to 45%. Like they are actively loading the box in an effort to stop the run. And what happened when the Rams played the Buccaneers a while ago? They ran the ball like four times in the first half, and they were just airing out. Mahomes threw the ball 45 times in like three quarters against the Jets when they play. I think smart teams teams have realized that, you know, this old school minded Jets defense that, hey, maybe firing Greg Williams was a good thing, but I don't know. Sure didn't look that way last week. And I just think that, you know, Woods, Cup, these guys are going to get enough targets. I mean, you go back, it's not a one for one game, but I mean, 13 targets for Cup in that Buccaneers game, 15 for Woods. You know, we get him a rush attempt or two as well. Like their floor is really high. And I think their ceiling's going underrated in the spot. Yeah. And Josh Reynolds, uh, Reynolds has been getting a lot less attention uh, from Jared Goff than he did in weeks 10 through 12, where he had 22 combined targets, only three over the past week. Van Jefferson looked like he was coming alive, and then he was blanked with zero targets the following week. They just ran a lot with Cam Akers. Maybe this is a spot where you could go Acres Woods, Acres Cup. I think you mentioned that. Uh, I don't think it's the craziest idea uh, in a game where they're 17 and a half point favorites. It's just a, a monster spread here, Alex. But um, I, I do want to ask you about. 
a player who we saw last week in his first start for the benched Carson Wentz for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, uh, came out and played well. As a matter of fact, the, the Saints had – you just Ian just mentioned the Saints had limited opposing rushing attacks. I can't remember the exact number. I feel like it was however many straight games without allowing a 100-yard rusher. It was a ton, uh, a ton. And they allowed 200-yard rushers in one single game. So that I think that's more a reflection on not knowing what exactly what they were going to get from Jalen Hurts in the game plan and, and, and less on how immensely talented Hurts is because I still don't think we know. But do you think teams getting additional film on him coming into this spot against Arizona is going to knock him back down to earth? Well, I think Jalen Hurts, I mean, the bottom line is he, he rushes the ball a lot, and uh, or at least he's done that so far, and that adds a lot of fantasy production. So I think that he's a good play. Um, now, Philadelphia's offense as a whole is very difficult to target because they've been running out Alshon Jeffrey and John Hightower, and Quez Watkins even got in the rotation. So there's, like, way too many guys rotating in. The only guy really seeing a full complement of snaps at wide receiver is Jalen Rager. I think it's just a situation like Taysom Hill was a month ago where the Philadelphia offense is going to run the ball a lot more with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. That's going to make all the other plays on the team worse except Hurts. So I do think Hurts is a good play individually, but as far as a stack option, I'm not overly enthusiastic. What did you see from Hertz last week, Ian? Great uh, rusher and the things he brought in that offense, I think, helped open up for Miles Sanders. And, yeah, I mean, look, 18 rush attempts, that was the highest single-season mark from any quarterback this year. 106 rushing yards was the second-highest marker, maybe third now, be both behind Lamar Jackson. But either way, I mean, that's great in fantasy. And we talked about, you know, what a receiving running back like Alvin Kamara can do. Same kind of just general mindset applies for a rushing QB. Problem was we saw almost nothing from him as a passer. Now, it was a tough matchup against the Saints, very good defense. You know, they're like third in the leagues in the EPA per play since their week seven bye. But, you know, I, I just – now that they have a week of film on him, we did not see any – it was literally the third worst single game uh, PFF grade from a rookie passer that we had this entire season behind. Wow. Like ben DiNucci and Jake Luton once. Yeah, it was bad, man. Like, again, so he – nice back shoulder fade to Alshon Jeffrey. It was his first start. Two as an example, someone that didn't look great out of the gates gotten better. They're rookies. and would make sense if he gets better, you know, as he has more reps. But I'm just, you know, cash games and maybe just, you know – realizing that a lot of people are going to have them that's fine but tournaments don't see the upside and i don't know who the hell you would be able to stack them with on the other side of the ball maybe that's a situation we uh, actually pivot to because you look at this eagle secondary and yeah Taysom hill yeah he was pretty much a running back back there he looked good throwing the ball after rodney mcleod Devontae maddox and darius slay all got banged up in that second half so slay is actually you know moving through the pro- uh, concussion protocol but as we saw you know dk metcalf and Devontae adams do with this guy they give him zero help so almost like getting that one-on-one matchup against hopkins might be a good thing uh, as opposed to if Slay was out and they had to change coverage. Either way, Kyler Murray, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, maybe that's the route to go because if these things about Hurts, you know, don't work out and he uh, isn't able to move the ball through the air and they have less success on the ground, it's going to be a lot of plays for uh, Kyler Murray and company in one of the week's uh, highest-paced games. Last note is that uh, Chase Edmonds is actually really banged up. I haven't seen uh, the final injury report from Arizona yet, but he hasn't practiced with an ankle injury. Kenyon Drake might not leave the field, and he has been playing better lately. Kyler just started running again last week after having that short spurt, so I think people are kind of getting off Drake because of that. But if you remove Edmonds from the equation, we're talking about 90% snaps for Drake, who has actually looked a little bit better since coming back from his ankle injury. 
Yeah, apparently Kenyon Drake does not like us fantasy football players. Uh, but that's unimportant. I will tell you this much, though. He's actually been targeted more in the passing game as well. Outside of that game against the Giants where his services were entirely unnecessary, he had three, four, and five pass targets uh, in weeks 13, 12, and 11. He had not seen more than two targets in any game through the first 10 weeks of the year. So maybe you're on to something there. Uh, Alex, just to go back for a second here, Miles Sanders um, – I only ask this because he's in a price range where there are a lot of other viable options that have that are going to get a decent amount of ownership from Acres. I don't know how much Montgomery's going to get, but him and Taylor are both in a similar price range. And then you have Miles Sanders, who last week nobody wanted this guy. Why would you? Rips off an 82-yard touchdown run. He now has three of the ten longest runs of the season of any running back, and he had 33 DraftKings points. Uh, is it just a wise move to stay away from him here, or does Jalen Hurts open things up, and should we be considering him at, five, at less than 5% ownership? I think he's worth considering because, I mean, he's pretty clearly the number one back. I mean, the workload's gone down a little bit with Jordan Howard entering the Eagles rotation, but I think when you bring in a, a running quarterback, it does reduce the rushing attempts more than it increases the efficiency of those attempts. So I do think from an objective standpoint, Sanders is a little bit worse in a matchup where they're pretty big dogs versus Arizona. So I'm not excited about it, but you know I think he's playable. What about the Arizona side? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I mentioned right at the beginning of the show that his 15%, 15.5% ownership is the highest of any wide receiver, but it's really not that high. He's sub-8K on DraftKings, which I think is reasonable. Uh, we just heard Ian talk about Kenyon Drake uh, in the event that Chase Edmonds is unable to play. I do, I do know he returned to practice today, but I don't know in what capacity. Uh, what are you thinking about Philly uh, against, as we heard, and, uh, or sorry, Arizona against the Philly secondary that was just battered last week? Well, I think that Kyler Murray is a great option this week. Uh, he was banged up with that shoulder, and he saw five rushing attempts weeks 11 through 13. Last week, that totally changed. He saw 13. So, I mean, if he's going to be seeing closer to what he was at the earlier part of the season where he was the number one fantasy player in the league, when you put him in a good matchup versus Philly, I think that uh, Kyler Murray has got to be considered a top option this week at quarterback. And I also like Hopkins, who's... Uh, He's clearly the number one receiver, going to get a lot of targets. Um, and I like the fact that – I almost like the fact that he hasn't had, like, a, a monster game uh, in the recent weeks because then he won't pick up, like, all that ownership. So he got 25 last week. I guess that's pretty good. But um, I, I like uh, Murray and stacking him up with Hopkins. Okay. Um do you have any thoughts on Sanders or anything else from this game, Ian, before we move on to a couple more here? No, I kind of agree with Alex. I mean, Miles, if he hits, you know, one of those big home runs, like we know he can hit, it's going to work out. But otherwise, there's just, you know, Boston Scott's pretty involved when they get when they get down in games. And I don't think we're seeing the same sort of targets that we were hoping were going to be part of the package uh, with Sanders. So it's pretty much Jalen Hurts or bust uh, for me from that Eagles offense. Yeah. I would agree with that. Hey, by the way, you see the promo at the bottom of the screen. If you haven't checked this out yet and you're a new user, you're looking to, to, to get some action and understand the game a little bit better, but maybe you're hesitant for one reason or another. You don't like paying for content. Maybe you get screwed by another site. Well, here's an opportunity 
to do everything you've wanted to do without worrying about anything because for one single dollar using the promo code Caruso at checkout when you go to awesomemode.com, you'll get all of our NBA content, all of it. I mean that, all of it. Nothing left out for the preseason and then the entire first week of the regular season for one single dollar using that promo code Caruso, C-A-R-U-S-O, at checkout. So the preseason content, the season starts. Uh, what is it, like the 23rd, I think it is, of December? Your $1 continues on for a following week, the entire first week, including Christmas Day basketball, which is one of the best days of the year, where you'll have ownership projections, player projections, the boomer bust tool, the lineup builder, all of the premium articles, and all of these tools built by Alex Baker himself, number one ranked DFS player, so you know it's legit, and he uses these tools. We're not just slapping his name on them, so I'll stop talking because there's really no other need to sell you on something that's $1 for the next 11 days, including regular season basketball. Check it out. If you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter at Lafayette underscore D. My DMs are open. I'm happy to answer your questions. Uh, Ian, what about the San Francisco 49ers with this Raheem Mostert situation. Maybe I'm wasting time talking about it, but Jeff Wilson, when Mostert's been out, has been somebody that has seen legitimate opportunities, and he basically saw the same amount of snaps last week as Mostert. We remember before going on the IR, he had that monster three-touchdown performance where everyone else thought it would be Jamichael Hasty or somebody else. Uh, but it feels like he was the guy last week that was getting the majority of opportunities for Mo- uh, other than Mostert, especially after Mostert got hurt. Uh, how do you break this backfield down? And the only reason I ask is because Dallas's defense, run defense, has been so bad that I'd be remiss not to at least mention the matchup against them. Yeah, literally the single worst defense in the league in yards before contact per rush total. It is not even close. And we've seen teams, you know, the Ravens and the Browns, just put absolutely bonkers numbers. And that's what's kind of made it so wild to watch this 49ers offense. Changes that QB, running back, wide receiver, Kittle's been out. And they're still a top 10 offense in yards before contact per rush. I mean, they don't have any sort of threat that guys should be worrying about. Shanahan is that good. So, yeah, man, it's it's evolved throughout the year in terms of their backfield. Jarek McKinnon was someone that they were leaning on as like an every down back for portions of the season ahead of Jeff Wilson, but as we saw during Mostert's second action, uh, second absence, they're actually using McKinnon more as a scat back and honestly just special teams only now. He didn't play a snap uh, last week, so it's going to be Wilson-Mostert, and it's really been split. I mean, last week, 50% snaps for uh, Mostert, 14 carries, 2 targets, 47% uh, snaps for Wilson, 11 carries, 2 targets, so with or without Mostert in the lineup, man, I think Wilson's going to be uh, definitely in play for tournaments. He's going to be, you know, a super chalky guy, I think, at Mostert's sideline, but deservingly so. I'd be willing to, you know, eat that high ownership if most are sidelined because this cowboy spot just is the can't miss proposition for me and i think that also applies to brandon ayuk i mean give me these uh 49ers studs as long as we can figure out who shanahan wants the ball to go to i think we need to give those guys a long look in fantasy land if most are manages to gut it out man i'm okay looking at him too he's uh, got that miles sanders home run ability in him as well uh one of the stats i like over the past five seasons Tyreek Hill, Raheem Mostert, only guys to clock at least 23 miles per hour per next-gen stats. He can fly, man. So, yeah, give me all the 49ers this week. And by all of them, literally like those two or three guys. (laughs) (laughs) Music to my ears. Music to my ears. Listen, I got burned last week because I had the same idea with Gio Bernard. He fumbles early. What am I going to do about that? They get smoked. Things happen. But – I mean, Alex, I'll go back to the well against the against the Dallas team that's allowed essentially 300 yards two times a season on the ground, which is you know virtually impossible to do. <laughs> yeah, I I do have some hesitation about going to this game because 
Uh, I'm, I'm not projecting the game environment to be particularly favorable. What I'm seeing is the pace. San Francisco's pace this year has been the third lowest. And then Dallas, I mean, they started off the year lightning hot with Dak, but with Andy Dalton on her center, that's gone way down, and now they're just about league average. So I actually kind of like the under for this game, um, even though it's only at, like, 45 right now or 44 or something like that. I just uh, don't think there's going to be a ton of plays. That being said, I think the 49ers have a pretty good chance of success. I definitely like Jeff Wilson if we are projecting Raheem Mostert to not be uh, playing as much this week. That makes a ton of sense. I do see Brandon Ayuk as uh, he's getting a ton of ownership, and it's obvious why. I mean, Debo Samuel's out. Uh, Kittle, I don't think, is projected to come back this week. So he's competing with Kendrick Bourne and Jordan Reed for targets, like basically uh, below average players. So Ayuk really stands out as the best option. But that being said, San Francisco is a more run-heavy offense, and his price has gone up because of his big performances. So I'm not even that uh, excited about Ayuk. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm on a slightly different page here. The, the pace stuff makes sense for sure. But for me, this is one of these offenses that I just see being entirely concentrated. And Ayuk has a 30-plus percent uh, target share over his last four games. And especially if Mostert's out, I think Wilson could absolutely eat. Not to say I'm trying to get, you know, maybe that we talk about like a Wilson and an Ayuk stack without a quarterback. Probably not willing to go that far. But I think points are going to have to be scored somewhere. And hopefully they come from, well, the two guys that, are getting or are likely to get a whole lot of work. Um, Ian, on the other side, is there anything for Dallas that we can look at in this game? I know you like San Francisco quite a bit. So what about the runbacks, if anything? I don't really have anything, man. Andy Dalton's, I mean, this really post-Dak Cowboys offense has looked good for eight quarters. Now it's against the Vikings and against the Bengals. Those are the two single worst defenses in the league in pressure rate. 49ers are like 22nd, 23rd. They haven't been incredible without Nick Bosa and some of those other guys they've you know lost throughout the season on the defensive line. But they've gotten Sherman back. Now the secondary is kind of strengthened the defense where it's been the pass rush. And just overall, I mean, they're still just a very well-coached team that we've seen. You know, give the Rams, give legit teams trouble over the past month. Meanwhile, Again, the Cowboys, very just few flashes of them looking competent at all. So, I mean, the 49ers minus three, honestly, is one of my uh, favorite bets of the week. I just think they're on a different level than the Cowboys without Dak Prescott this year. So, you know, Amari Cooper, credit to him for actually showing some consistency this year. One of the crazier things to happen in 2020, no longer being uh, that boomer bust guy. But even then, in the tougher secondary matchup, I just don't think he carries uh, his usual ceiling that we've seen in the past with Dak under center. Zeke, you know. What more can we say about the guy? Now Tony Pollard has legit made it, you know, more of a two-RB committee where Zeke is no longer getting those, you know, 25-plus touches. He's only scored once, I think, since Dak went out of the picture. So even if Zeke finds the end zone, now it's looking like a potential, you know, 17-18 DraftKings point game as opposed to, you know, flirting with those 30 numbers that we saw in the past. So short answer, no, stay away from the Cowboys. We can't get to everything on an hour-long show here, but that's why we got a four-hour marathon show tomorrow starting at 9 East. Or I keep thinking it's Saturday, Alex, because we usually do this show <laughs> on Saturday. But uh, we'll have shows tomorrow, two hours live before lock, content leading up to the two Saturday games, and then four-hour marathon from 9 a.m. all the way up to 1 Eastern time, leading you to the 11-game 11, 11 
It's tough with this time change, man. I'm struggling. 11 game, 1 p.m. Sunday slate. And be sure while you're at it, check out all of Ian's work at Pro Football Focus, the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Football Podcast, and check him out on SiriusXM Fantasy. Of course, follow him at iHeart. It's H-A-R-T-I-T-Z. Two things before we get out of here, fellas. We're going to do our pivots, and we're going to do – or we're fades, and we're going to do our pivots. But first, save this one for last, Alex. Leonard Fournette. You tweeted before the show that Leonard Fournette is a gimme as a value we can get, but and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but besides that, it's pretty tough to find value. Why do you see Fournette as that guy? And Because he definitely could be without Ronald Jones uh, on, on the COVID-19 list. But – how how what are we doing with Leonard Fournette? Like, is this someone right now that you think you're going to have a ton of at his price point? Yes, uh, I feel like I will. I'm I'm open to changing my mind about this because the big red flag is Fournette was inactive last week, and that was a surprise that set set us all scrambling trying to get more Ronald Jones in our lineups. Before that, uh, there were weeks where he even got more action than Ronald Jones and uh, and was playable in fantasy. But uh, last week, LaShawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn played, but very sparingly. Ronald Jones saw 78% of the uh, rushing attempts. So I don't really see McCoy, who's been utilized as more of a, a pass-catching back this year, as being a threat to getting the bulk of the carries. Keyshawn Vaughn is a little bit of unknown. He was a higher draft pick this year. Uh, so maybe like he's advanced over Fournette, but there's no indication from his playing time that the team has any interest in playing Keyshawn Vaughn other than the fact that he was active over Fournette last week. So I think uh, there's some uncertainty. There's some uncertainty with the role uh, with Fournette because he's inactive. But if you go back to the first 12 weeks of the season, it makes it look like Fournette is going to get the bulk of the work. All right, Ian, same thing to you before we do our pivots and fades. Uh, Leonard Fournette, Tampa Bay backfield. It's a big piece of the puzzle this week. How are you trying to figure it out? I think we might just be looking so hard for value that Fournette is sticking out because we're comparing him, you know, the Peyton Barber and Gus Edwards or kind of James White or the other guys, you know, in the sub 5K range. I think the answer might just be fade all these guys because I think all their touch projections we could see wind up more in that 10-12 range. And, you know, if we know anything about Fournette being inactive last week, it's that they seemingly don't trust him on pass downs anymore. I mean, there was a while where he was their quote-unquote pony back and they were using him as the primary pass down back. Clearly that's out of the equation with, you know, Sean McCoy and Vaughn being the active ones last week. So we're pretty much hoping he comes in, works as the early down back, but this might just be a game that we see Brady and company aired out against a Falcons defense that is, you know, worse in the league and fantasy points per game against the quarterbacks and wide receivers alike. So I don't know if there's a pivot from Fournette that we like in that price range. Maybe get up to David Johnson if uh, Duke ends up being ruled out with this neck injury, similar situation with uh, Kenyon Drake and Chase Evans there. But maybe the answer is just look at Tom Brady and company, Antonio Brown, Chris Goff, and Mike Evans. We've been waiting to have this big explosion game from them and they've actually been playing pretty well overall they had the duds against the rams and the saints those are two of the better defenses in the league and coming out of their bye last week they just only had to throw the ball 23 times the, the efficiency has gotten better tom brady had that brutal long stretch where he could not complete a deep ball he does not have a noodle arm it was a timing thing he's now completed six of his last 11 passes thrown 20 yards downfield you know i think the answer to getting away from fournette is to maybe take a long look at antonio brown in this passing game 
Yeah, I love it, Ian. The only thing that sucks, because I've, I've looked to stack this team so often this season, the only thing that sucks is it was already tough figuring out who was going to do it. Then you introduce Antonio Brown to the offense. So on one hand, maybe you say, okay, I'll go with the cheaper guy. That makes sense. Now Gronk has you know been revived, and, and he's playing better football. So it's like not only do we have to nail the fact that the Tom Brady's going to go off and they're going to produce through the air. But then we got to figure out which one of these four entirely competent pass catchers are going to be the ones to actually catch the football. That's the tricky part for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is, but that's okay. Maybe a Tony, maybe a B Godwin Evans, one of them, two of them, hopefully you get the right ones. And if you do, you're going to be in business, especially especially in such a, a cake matchup against this Atlanta secondary. Alex, you ready to close this one out with our pivots and fades? Yes. Right, uh, so I got. Uh, Go ahead. My my uh, my fade is uh, Brandon Ayuk. He's been on a roll, like getting insane targets, like 13 last week, and he's averaged 10 in the past couple weeks before that. He's really done a ton. And then you put him up against Dallas, uh, who's known for being a bad defense. Uh, so, I mean, those factors are all in Ayuk's favor. But then when I look at the actual uh, data, Dallas has allowed just an average amount of passing yardage on a per-play basis. I think a lot of their big uh, letdowns were kind of these uh, – these um, shootout games where both teams were just putting up a ton of offense. I think the pace of play is going to be low. And then uh, I think San Francisco is just more of a run first team to begin with. So I don't know if the the passing volume will continue to allow Ayuk to be getting those 10 targets a game. Uh, my pivot, I don't feel great about this guy, but... Um, there's one guy at the top end of salary that just is not getting any ownership, and that's because he's extremely overpriced. It's DK Metcalf at 8,600 versus Washington. The matchup is tough versus Washington, who has a pretty good pass rush. But we only have Metcalf projected for 2% ownership. That's like one-fifth or, more, or less of the ownership of everyone else in the top price range. So I think uh, his chance of success is a lot higher than 2%. And uh, actually, I just finished working on this boom bust tool, which will be up later today, where you can see all the percentages. I think he has about a 5% chance of uh, having a 30-plus game. So I think uh, those odds are in your favor. All right. Love it. Chat's got some stuff to say about it, Alex, but you didn't get here to where you are doing a – Modest stuff, so we'll see. I like Ayuk a lot this week, so so I'm on the other side of that one. But that's why we're doing some bold uh, fades and some bold pivots. Same question goes to you, Ian. Close it out. Yeah, I'll stay away from uh, the Lenny one and go a little bit deeper. I'm going to fade Jonathan Taylor in favor of James Robinson. We talked about with Jonathan Taylor before. Like, there was just a scenario where Houston, Deshaun Watson getting Brandon Cooks back. I mean, we saw them. He was a bad snap away from beating the Colts a couple weeks ago. It wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for Houston to go to lead and watch Naeem Hines really play the majority of these snaps. So, with that in mind, going down to James Robinson, I think we just kind of give this Ravens a bunch of just credit in general for having this great run defense that we haven't seen all year long 138 yards in the ground against the browns last week the cowboys went for 111 titans and patriots went for 170 plus eagles went for 190 plus back in week six like we've seen teams put together big games on the ground and now james robinson i mean i think the 
Jaguars offense has actually looked like, okay, awful all year, but doable. They haven't been like the Brandon Allen, Ryan Finley Bengals, really, regardless of who's been under center. And I think healthy Gardner Minshew has produced the best version of that. So I'm not saying they're going to compete with the Ravens, but we are seeing a Ravens team coming off a short week, very emotional Monday night win, you know, huge victory for them and their franchise. It would make sense if the Jaguars at least stay somewhat competitive, at least for, you know, the first half. And if they're going to do that, it's going to be through James Robinson, who gets all the touches from them. And just like, you know, how Alex is just kind of looking at Metcalf as being, you know, this top player that's at the low ownership that's pretty much what we're having robinson too only dalvin cook and derrick henry have more touches than this guy all season long ppr rb6 and uh ppr points per game like we just you know i think he still kind of gets that you know undrafted free agent like we don't really just treat him as these other guys his production has been like the other guys all season long we continue to get the ownership discount matchup isn't quite as bad as everyone thinks don't be afraid to go to james robinson he's got a higher touch projection than taylor in the matchup while it's not quite as good you know i think it's worth uh you know getting contrarian in tournaments over Awesome. Uh, I'm, I'll go with the Fournette fade. I think there's a lot of red flags there. He could pop off and it could ruin my week at that price point. Understandably so. Uh, and there isn't, I guess, see, the problem here is there isn't really a one-for-one one pivot. But just to throw out uh, a low-owned running back that we talked about throughout the show that I like, again, it's not a one-for-one. One. He's quite. A, he's a bit more expensive, but he's still below 6K. It's going to be J.K. Dobbins. Uh, yes, Gus Edwards still gets some opportunities. Yes, Lamar Jackson is a rushing quarterback who's going to get his attempts as well. But you know, when you're double, when you're double-digit favorites, what are they? Thirteen and a half point favorites against the Jacksonville defense, one of the worst run defenses in football. And in J.K. Dobbins, a young guy uh, who they drafted early for a reason to make him ultimately the number one back. As we've seen progressively, Mark Ingram in the last year of his contract get faded, phased out of the offense. Last week and the week prior to that are two prime examples. Sure, Dobbins might not be a 25-carry guy. I don't see that being the case, of course. But could he get you 17, 18 carries? Yeah, I think this could be his highest carry ta- uh, count of the season if the game proje- plays out the way we're projecting it to, which is a route uh, in favor of the Baltimore Ravens. So there it is. Love you guys hanging out with us all the time. We got so much more content coming up. Again, Ian, thanks a lot for joining us, man. It's been a blast both times this season. Have a great holiday. Have a great Christmas. And uh, follow him at iHeartIt's. Follow Alex at AwesomeODFS. Uh, and of course, myself at Lafayette underscore D. Awesomeo.com at Awesomeo underscore com as well. We'll see you guys back here soon. Hit that thumbs up and subscribe before you leave. And we'll catch you back here tomorrow, breaking down everything for this two game Saturday NFL slate. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work, limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.